Welcome to Investor Insights, the wealth management podcast where we address investor needs, help you enhance your financial situation, and explore all parts of a person's financial life. And now, the host of Investor Insights, Mike Williams. Hello there, it's Mike Williams again. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, This episode we're going to call Launchpad. Uh, While you're listening, I'd like you to consider the fact that while it's been very frustrating watching the markets go back and forth over the very same price ranges for going on 19 months now, I think it's important to note that we've had these periods before. We talked about it in the last podcast. Here's the scary part about them. They uh, terrify you into thinking that recessions are coming. They terrify you into thinking the economy is screeching to a halt. What they're really doing is pausing as Forces in the economy are changing hands, moving from one sector to another, and it clouds the picture quite a bit. Uh, I always joke about the future. It's, it's a hard call, obviously, but that's why they call it the future. It's always cloudy. Before I get started, I want to give uh, just a quick member note. Uh, obviously, none of this data that I'm about to give you is a, a suggestion to buy or sell securities or any warranty of any sort whatsoever. It is simply educational and informational. Um, We post uh, our portfolios online for members. They can see the whole list of positions and all of the activity. Uh, Year to date, the S&P 500 is down, excuse me, sorry, it's up 1.05%. This is as of the end of last week. That would be the end of April. This is now the first week of May. We have not updated for the first week of May yet, but as of the end of April, The S&P 500 was up 1.05%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 2.00%. The NASDAQ, the growthier side of the market, was down 4.63%. Our uh, member dividend income growth portfolio was up 6.5% year-to-date. And the member growth portfolio, a little bit more aggressive than the dividend portfolio, was up 6.53%. That's a pretty big swing against the markets. Uh, Also pretty steady, but again, informational purposes only. Uh, Members only can see that online. Um, So here we are, the earnings season rolls forward. I often find that too many get lost in the minutia of reporting happens every 90 days, but people have their blood pressure rise for that 30 or 40 day period surrounding these events, and um, they pay way too much attention to this stuff. Missing by a penny, beating by three cents, but missing on revenues. Missing a big order by two days and having it fall into another quarter. Pushing or pulling a sale from one quarter to another. The list goes on. The question we must ask ourselves is often as simple as, does it all matter that much? How many times have we seen a miss on a quarterly report to be followed by a beat? Or worse, a company beats by four cents one quarter, but takes down next quarter's guidance by two cents. They're still ahead a net two cents over the previous assumptions, but the stock still gets hit for weeks anyway. This has become a regular occurrence in quarterly earnings parades, It's harmful to most investors because it makes them do things that 
they usually later regret well down the road. And when I mean well down the road, I don't mean a week or a quarter. I mean a couple of years because that's the way long-term investors needs to need to focus. Of course, high-frequency trading surely has not helped. But oddly enough, the SEC hasn't quite figured out what those guys do yet. When they do, I hope they'll stop them. But here it is. What really matters? Here's what matters. Where are the people in our society? Where are the customers for industry and their subsectors? How old are they? What is their demand time span? What do those bell curves of extended and growing demand cycles look like? And likewise, where are those bell curves that are waning in demand? These are the larger footprints in the economy's pathway, not a 90-day earnings report. If we know some sectors have decades of demand ahead, then we can be somewhat comfortable that those sectors will have sustained growth. Likewise, 60-year-olds buy fewer Harleys, if you get the point. Today, we must all be aware of the barbell effect being forged into our economic structure. It's messy, and it causes a lot of frustration, but it's going to be with us for several decades. While China has just begun to take steps to heal a massive error in their one-child policy that United States is adorned with two very substantial generations of people already in their demand pipeline. Meanwhile, on the other end of our barbell, we have the previous largest generation of all time taking their steps into retirement. It is vital to note, however, that the character of the baby boom suggests they will change our view of retirement the same way they changed almost everything in their lifespans to date. Knowledge of those footprints in the sand is valuable. Tracking this data helps one understand where long-term value will likely unfold and where long-term potholes can appear. Think of it as the 80-20 rule in the stock market. The larger viewpoint, well, the markets and the economy have seemed to be meandering in the forest for many quarters now. The risk for investors is becoming lost in that forest for the trees. One must step back and view this from a larger perspective. The process of demographic shifts are slow to unfold as generations age and control of the economy moves from one period to the next. However, the shifts are readable, and one can plan for same. Oddly enough, just today, we talked about this a couple of podcasts ago, just today GM and Lyft showed yet another footprint of Generation Y coming to fruition in our economy. In the next 12 months, General Motors and Lyft will begin testing self-driving Chevy Bolts on public roads as a self-driving ride-hailing service from Lyft. In other words, think about it. You're going to eventually ask for your app to open up and tell your app where you are and you need a ride, and a car is going to arrive with no driver in it. It's already going to know where you're going, and it's going to take you there. Now, that will be fascinating to watch. Of course, jokingly, we can almost bet that not too long afterward, we're going to have some fancy algorithm writer selling code data to Uber when a Lyft ride is called. 
and they'll see if they can get one of their own self-driving cars to arrive first. Can you see it now? Battles are going to break out at the curbside and no drivers will even be present. I jest, but only sort of. The bigger reality, change stinks. It's uncomfortable. I get it. It cause, causes one or many to pause, become frustrated, tense, and anxiety builds across the audience. But change we must. Industry is, sectors are, businesses will or they'll fail, and life will too. We can move with it or mourn the loss to what used to be. Indeed, the horse and buggy guys were hurt when the car came along. But look what happened afterward. It's simplistic, I know, but the point is, we did not know what, unfold, what would unfold in advance. So why are we so quick to assume all the bad tidings about our future that we read from experts in the media? Yes, we have indeed gone nowhere for 18 months in the market. In fact, in a 12-month period, most of the averages are a little bit down, somewhere between 1 and 4%. It is indeed cumbersome for those who want things to move upward all the time. Patience is proven here as our ally, though, when we look at long-term snapshots of market time. If we looked at a chart of the last couple of hundred years of market activity, there are multiple periods where you had what was deemed a lost decade, choppy periods where markets could not go forward. New highs couldn't be set for long, and they dropped back into their same trading range. That's kind of what we're doing now and what we've been doing for quite a while. But what you'll note in history is those were not the ends of things. Each one of them, in their own way, was actually a new foundation being built, a new process, new procedures, new industries, new perspectives. Yes, they were sloppy. Yes, they were messy in real time. But they ended up being launch pads, new foundations from which to grow. Call me a nut, but I've been reading news on this economy for most of the last 33 years. As a kid, I read the Wall Street Journal while my friends got drunk. A lot. <laughs> yes, I was the nerd. The point is this. It's stunning how much we are told today about what is bad, what we don't have, what is not working, what shortfalls we supposedly see coming, and what things we are missing. I would suggest we might want to get a hold of ourselves and our smartphone for a moment and take a gander at how great things really are. Imagine, for example, telling people just a few years ago that you would be there shortly to see them for dinner. You were just waiting on your self-driving taxi, which is looking for you on your app with its GPS. Seriously, folks, while we fret over terrible things about our future and how tepid this recovery continues to be, has anyone really checked what our GDP is these days? I've got a chart here. I'm going to read you some interesting numbers. It goes back to 2006. That was before the collapse of 08 and 09 that scared the bejesus out of everyone and brought the global economy to a near halt. Here's the interesting thing. Would it surprise you that the 2006 GDP was lower 
than the 2009 GDP, even after the Great Recession's impact. Now, I want you to think about that for a second, because I don't remember anybody in 2006 telling me repeatedly that the end of the world was near. But here's the Fed numbers. In 2006, we had a gross domestic product in dollar terms of $13.85 trillion. In 2009, it was $14.4 trillion. After the collapse, it went up from there. Further, does anyone recall being terrified of the future in 2006? Yes. 08 and 09 kicked us all in the teeth. It knocked us on our collective global asses, if you will. But guess what? 2014 GDP was $17.4 trillion. Even better, 2015 GDP finished at $17.9 trillion. Our economy is nearly a third larger in size than it was in 2006, before the collapse, and when everybody felt pretty darn good. We're a third larger. So the next time you read all the terrible headlines and think for certain that this time, this time, no matter what, it's never been this bad, consider these thoughts instead. In 1982, when I started in this crazy business, Inflation was 15.5%. Interest rates were on their way to peaking at 20.5%. Imagine that. OPEC really was a bully in real time. Our GDP was indeed a small $6.4 trillion, one-third of our economy today. The Dow was under 900, and the S&P, well, it was only two digits long. I want you to remember all that the next time you think the world is ending. The bottom line is this. The entire world of experts is busy telling us how bad things are all day long and assuring us it will only get worse in the future. Everything we are afraid of has already unfolded. And the markets, while we were terrified, while all those terrible things were happening, have risen 18 times over in the last 33 years. Oddly enough, the outlier today is not likely a black swan after all, since we hear about it all day long, and all we note are the various items that are now termed the next black swan. Surprises are called surprises for a reason. What's the one thing no one talks about? The thing getting no airtime for experts? The thing that does not sound all that interesting and sexy? Well, consider this. We're not watching the end of the world. We're watching a world of massive change. It's being driven by a new, massive generation, the largest, smartest, and best the Earth has ever seen. We're watching a lunch stop, a launch pad being built. It takes time, and it causes great stress, fear, and anxiety while it's being built which creates the value for long-term investors. Change is in the wind, just as it has been since the beginning of time. I close with the same thought. Think demographics, not economics.
pause for a moment and consider counting people, the money will follow. Patience and discipline. Pray for a dip and a summer swoon and be ready to take advantage of it. More soon. Hope this has been helpful. Till we see you on the next podcast, may your journey be grand and your legacy significant.